politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew in the way it matters, at the time it matters, and all the issues that you and I care about. We are done with failure theater here at CR Podcast. Your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Thursday, the 11th of January. And as always, God gives us another day. It's another day to do the right thing and to stop doubling down on what doesn't work. And in order to succeed going forward, you have to admit to yourself that what you're doing is not working. During my entire career, we have gone backwards on moving the party to the right. We've gone backwards on every issue that matters, okay? Whether it's spending, dependency, culture, you name it. We have gone backwards. Demographics, and we still are. And we might laugh at the left, ha, 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 we own them here, we own them there, because we have all these shows where we circle jerk around each other and and get drunk on each other's spittle and each other's uh, uh, owning the libs while the libs own us in the way it actually matters. What is our plan to break out of that? And today I want to give you a number of examples, both at the federal level and then during in all the deep red states on how the problems are continuing. You know, at best we'll have a a victory will be something like we prevented the left from making a certain sphere of policy even worse for that moment even though they've come so far anyway and they'll come and get it tomorrow. But they have placed into culture, economy, law, policy and society a bunch of ticking time bombs that are force multipliers that allow them to perpetuate and grow their agenda and we're not uprooting that and the few examples we have in Florida of uprooting long-term democrat power in things like their medical cartel education cartel we we go and dump on the guy so i don't know what's going to happen Come Monday, it's not worth spending this entire week, uh, you know, speculating. Is the DeSantis Super PAC correct about their sixty thousand commitments, or are the polls right? They both can't be right, so we'll find out. We'll find out, but nothing we do will really change. It just if DeSantis does lose, it will be reflective of the fact that we're probably not going to wind up succeeding in anything else because we don't care about those results. But everything I'm saying today, if you claim to agree with me, even if you happen to support Trump, you should agree with everything I'm going to say today. We should all be working on these other projects. In other words, we should all agree that we, we can't have a political party built on Nikki Haley, for example. But I'm here to tell you that although Nikki Haley has no chance of winning the nomination, becoming president, the greatest outcome you could ever get, which I still think is unlikely, is somehow she would win New Hampshire, but even then, she would not win the nomination. And everyone knows that. 
And she's not running for that. She's running either to be Trump's VP, to remain relevant for the future. And why not? She has a bunch of money. Why not spend it? But the bigger problem is, it's only on a strong national stage where there's more scrutiny and people understand. So 80% in most states, you know, except for New Hampshire, but 80% of the Republican voters are like, no, no, we, 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 don't, we don't want Nikki Haley. We've, we've moved on from that worldview. But what everyone is missing watching the debate last night is that Nikki Haley is still the prevailing thought the prevailing person in, in, in a position of authority in almost every red state governorship, every red state legislative leadership, overwhelming majority of congressmen, and almost every single Republican senator. Okay? Now, you might think, well, Daniel, if, you know, they don't like Nikki Haley. What, how is that still true? Well, the difference is because at a, at, at a presidential level, there's more scrutiny. But at the lower levels, they just win by acclamation. They have the name ID, they have the money, and they broadly run on our issues. So they could do the opposite. They use the money to put out ads for the industries, but on our issues so that they can get in there and do the exact opposite. Rinse and repeat. This has happened my entire career. The little traction we were gaining to try to reverse this was destroyed by Trump. The Republican Party was always a controlled opposition. And then finally, people started realizing, whoa, something needs to be done. And Trump came in and captured our right flank that we could typically count on to at least launch an insurgency. And now they're, depending on the issue and the race, either distracted, mindless, or downright supporting subversive ideas and people just because Mitter Trump. And that's where we are today. So, you know, people look at Nikki Haley, and it's, it's, it's very interesting that you look at her last night, and we, we could all comment on how prickly and nasty and disgusting she is, what a turnoff, it sounds like everyone's ex-wife, whatever. I mean, I, I've heard all that. It sounds like Hillary, not disagreeing with that. But, but the biggest, most important observation, again, is not on the presidential election because she's not going anywhere anyway. Either DeSantis pulls off an upset in Iowa and it becomes a race, or he doesn't, and, and, and Trump basically wins the nomination. Haley is not going anywhere. But where she is relevant is this. Notice that she stood up there, and aside from Ukraine, she, she will tell us what we want to hear. Okay, it's not just Trump. Even Nikki Haley, that we all know that she's a puppet of the globalist corporate masters. That's her brand. We all know that. But even she, when it's a big national stage, where if you get up there and say things like, no, I want amnesty, I want unlimited immigration, I love corporate welfare, I love spending, I'm a social liberal, no, I mean, you'll get, it will go everywhere. So she's not going to say that. So the, she knows what to say. Now, I think because of the way she comes across, enough people see through it, she's not going to win. But the problem is, you go down, down the totem pole, this is where you get your Christy Gnomes, your Greg Abbott's, 
and 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 everyone like that. They have all the money. This is the cycle of a red state. Red states are bought out by the education cartel, the public health cartel, the cheap labor cartel, the child um child care cartel. That's a whole nother thing. Red states are very into that now because we need a working mother that works 10 hours a day and dumps off the kids if they even have any because that's a whole nother thing culturally. Um, tra- I call it transgenderism light where you have the gender bending upend motherhood. Again, I'm not criticizing you have individuals that can make it work, but on a macro level, the government is making it that you need uh, two incomes. And then even if you can get away with one or maybe one and a half, it's taboo for a woman not to work as much as a man, even during the prime motherhood years. And then you get what you get, which is a dying culture of no one having kids. And the few you have are off the wall. And that's what they want. But anyway, that's what red states are owned by. So they elect the politicians. Now, there's a problem. The voters don't want to hear that. So what they do is that they smartly run on our issues. And they might produce a little bit, at least until now, on guns and abortion and generally lower taxes on most things. And then screw us on every other issue. And again, I I want you to understand You go to every red state budget, you look at the governor's state of the state addresses, they're massively expanding the departments of health and education that, as you well know, don't just expand bloated government, but all of the NGOs and private institutions that they work with to empower them to culturally upend red states. It's happening everywhere. But, you know, most people don't see anything egregious. It's not like... Christy Nome or Greg Abbott will come out and say, uh, you know, I think we need more illegal immigration. They're not going to say that. So they get reelected and rinse and repeat. I want to make it very clear. This is the bitter pill that is so bitter for, for, for people like me. There's one thing, if up and down the ballot, we had a similar scenario to Haley DeSantis Trump. You had an established, a traditional establishment person. You had kind of like a Trumpy sort of, you know, Carrie Lake, like, yeah, Rhino, globalist, Rhino. But but then when you boil down to the policies, not always with us, not always focused, not always effective. And then you had more of a DeSantis guy. And the DeSantis guy wasn't winning, but the Carrie Lake sort of French revolutionist was winning. All right, well, you know, that's something. That's progress. But that's not the case. Name me one governor who's like that. They're all Nikki Haley's. Some are even more liberal. Nearly every Republican governor, state speaker, state Senate president pro temper, majority leader, few exceptions, or a few exceptions, not many, even committee chairs, and then most House members, federal House members, and almost every federal Senate member is just as bad as they were relative to the issues of the time 15, 20, 30 years ago as they are today. And we've actually gone backwards under Trump. And I want to give you some vivid examples. But first, folks, as we're really struggling to make a difference, we need to floor the gas pedal on our own spheres of influence. And some of that is your own purchasing choices. The water is quite warm with Patriot Mobile. Okay, you all have cell phones. We all know it. Don't say you don't. 
What do you use? Do you use T-Mobile, Verizon, AT&T? They spy on you. They work with the Chinese. They work with the government. And they fund all of these cartels that we talk about. You could get the same coverage, same network. uh, Keep the phone, keep the number by switching to Patriot Mobile, going to patriotmobile.com slash CR um, or call 972-PATRIOT. You get free activation with offer code CR, as in the name of the show, Conservative Review. And I know some of you don't like switching. We don't like changing. It really is one phone call. They make it seamless. Uh, You know, Steve and I have switched. Make the switch today. Join the movement of those who support our values um, and certainly aren't with the left. PatriotMobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT. Free activation with offer code CR. So I'm going to kind of go down the line today and give you a full briefing of a rhino report. We'll start off at a federal level. We'll move on to the states if we have time. But I want to start off with the first example that is emblematic of not just the fact that we haven't improved our position, uh, changed the party, and uh, made it made it more conservative, more effective, but actually that we've gone backwards under Trump and the broad movement and and media apparatus that he has created and that he has that has been incentivized on the right. Nothing says January 11th or this is January 10th. 2024, then Rhino Congressman Nancy Mace from South Carolina at a Hunter Biden hearing of the Senate, of the House Judiciary Committee meeting about a contempt resolution against him, turning to Hunter and saying, you are the epitome of white privilege. I think Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now. Go straight to jail. And then says, told Hunter, you have no balls. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, Nancy Mace, Hunter Biden, no balls. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you take the worst rhino that that is social liberal. Even when Kevin McCarthy was helpful in trying to pass good bills, she was blocking them, had issues with them. Full spectrum leftist. Full spectrum. It's not like on one or two issues. She's bad on everything. But she's created this brand now. She said, wait a minute. I could get on Bannon War Room by having these feisty comments during hearings. So so uh, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden. It's a bridge to, that whole thing is a bridge to nowhere, if that is your sole focus. And then nothing says the spirit of the era of using a leftist epithet to own the libs. You have, no, you have white privilege. I mean, like, really? Call it Democrat privilege, liberal pr- privilege, globalist privilege, that you're part of the system. But really, we're going to use white privilege? We want to perpetuate that blood libel and give any sort of tailwinds, any sort of uh, aid and comfort to something so disgusting that that is both wrong and dangerous? So you have Nancy Mace throwing white privilege at Hunter Biden and being a hero on conservative media while Ron DeSantis destroying the structure of the leftist power long-term in the third largest state, he's a piece of trash. That, my friends. See, that is new. 
That is new. You see, before Trump, we were just failing to really beat um, the left in actual primaries, beat the rhinos in the primaries, but the hard right conservative media appreciated for the most part who is a guy who's really with us and didn't like the guys who weren't. But what the Trump movement and the fealty and idolatry has done is it's created this LVS, listless vessel syndrome. Maybe it comes from the vaccines that Trump loves so dearly, where you could have the people that 10 years ago, conservative media would have vilified them. But now they're suddenly great. And by the way, notice how Lindsey Graham was vilified by people like Sean Hannity in the previous decade, if you remember. They weren't even on speaking terms anymore. Lindsey Graham was a punchline in conservative media. Now a good number of them, they'll bring him on. Why? Because he walks around uh, literally inseparable like a broke-back relationship with Mr. Trump. So it's all good. See, this is what we can't afford. Like I said... I could emotionally accept and intellectually accept that people still, for whatever reason, want to nominate Trump, but again, up and down the ballot, up and down the elected officials, we're calling names, we're effectively moving the party, you know, over, we're not. Steve Bannon might have Nancy Mace on her show, on his show, but Nancy Mace is not Steve Bannon. We are not electing Steve Bannons. I wish we did. I agree with him on most issues. I mean, again, I, a, lot of, a lot of you don't remember. Trump savaged him, threw him out of the White House, said disgusting things about him after everything he did for him. And for whatever reason, he comes back to him. I mean, I think I know why, but, but you get the point. So that Nancy Mace thing is unbelievable. So, so this is what we've incentivized. Th- this is the same thing with with Elise Stefanik and Christine Ohm, all these people, that they're not just like not quite Ron DeSantis, not quite Chip Roy. They're literally the same thing as Mitch McConnell. Some of them are to the left of him on some issues. But as long as you have fealty to, to Trump, come on one of the Trump-adjacent talk shows and use certain language and have certain clips about the, 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 these you know, inflection points that they create that are always the most meaningless things, you're good to go. That, my friends, is a vivid illustration of political negative efficacy. That is a manifestation of a political COVID vaccine where you suffer all of the side effects of Trump and his personality and incoherence and values and, and dumpster fire among swing voters but you're negative effective against the very things that he was elected to do. And not just on policy, but in terms of changing the nature of the sort of Republicans we elect. Again, Nikki Haley is the embodiment of that. Nancy Mace is Nikki Haley. Christy Nome, you will not find a single issue that Christy Nome and Nikki Haley disagree on. Except Nikki's running against Trump, and you know Nikki and, and Noam is, vi- uh, is vying for the VP slot. 
Mind you, Nikki really also is in, a, in just a different way. It looks like she has to be a little bit more confrontational because she's officially running against him. But as you well know, she's preventing the only man who potentially could beat him from beating him. So she's not really against him either. Let me give you another example. Let's go down to the next part of our Rhino report, how we haven't changed anything. Senator Pete Ricketts. A lot of you might not have heard of him. I'm sure you've heard of the Ricketts name from Nebraska, so he's one of them. So, again, this is emblematic of a Republican state. It's a one-party state. Republicans control Nebraska. You have these wealthy globalists because they know the people want cultural conservatism, so they, they, they run as Republicans, but they could just as easy in another state run as Democrats, and a lot of their allies do. They have all the money. They buy an election, run on our issues, and they just keep the gravy train growing growing, but they have a couple of these things. Yet you have to understand blue states are literally BLM, transgender Hamas hellholes. I mean, in my state of Maryland, the attorney general literally promoted, appointed a Hamas official to a hate crimes commission. Okay. that That's what a blue state is. So it, it's not very hard to find some sort of difference at that moment. Mind you, you know, you're where the blue state was 10 years ago, and you will be in a few years where the blue state is now. But because they're always ahead, you look like, well, you know, I'm doing something. It's better than a Democrat, right? So no, it, it, it sucks out the oxygen. It obviates the need for the market for a primary. So Pete Ricketts was governor. And then he was like, well, now it's time to move over. And he appoints himself to the Senate say, well, he didn't appoint himself technically, but, but he basically orchestrated it so that he was able to move on to it. Pete Ricketts comes out and says, if you shut down the government, the border actually gets worse. <laughs> so so this, is, this is their passion. I mean, most of you probably never heard of Pete Ricketts. Right? Th- this guy is a guy that, you know, I don't know if he took the vaccine or not, but I'm sure his motility count is quite low. I mean, you, you would need... 50 cycles of, of a PCR test to, to detect any testosterone in his blood. I mean, you won't hear any passion about any issue. Well, actually, I'm wrong. Ukraine, he actually is very passionate about that. But aside from that, finally, his one thing is we can't have a government shutdown. And this is true of every red state Republican. You go down the list. This is what we have. My friends, Pete Ricketts is in cycle. He is up for renomination, actually, because of the special, the vacancy, because Ben's something that rhymes with sass, the other jerk that left, you know, to, to take a position. So you actually have both senators in cycle. Deb Fisher, Pete Ricketts, Kevin Kramer of North Dakota, Roger Wicker of Mississippi, and Barrasso of Wyoming. I, I'm, I'm now there's a there's a there's a few more people up for re-election, but I just picked for you five names that anyone, whether you're supporting DeSantis or Trump, you should agree that they they're not righteous on a single issue. They're horrible. They don't even give us like the Nancy Mace or Elise Stefanik hearing clips. I mean, these guys are just they're they're just bumps on a log. It's hard to explain these Senate Republicans, but every one of my colleagues would agree with every word I'm saying, okay? And yet, not a single one 
will come close to losing renomination. So we congratulate ourselves. We have this movement. We're done with the Bush era Republicans. We're moving on. MAGA all the way. And mind you, these people in the reddest states, as they screw us, as they vote for gay marriage, as they vote for Ukraine, as they literally work with Schumer to undermine House Republicans, they get renominated by acclamation. And, and they know it, and they laugh out of us, and they know there's nothing we can do about it. Imagine if we put in all this energy to focusing on them, on those sorts of primaries. You see what I'm saying? The DeSantis versus Trump is not about DeSantis versus Trump. It's emblematic of focusing your sphere of influence on the issues that matter, in the way they matter, in the states they matter, the time they matter, the primaries that matter, but we don't. And that's why Barrasso, if you noticed, Barrasso just announced that he is endorsing Trump. He's the third ranking Republican in the Senate. He's the conference chair right behind uh, uh, McConnell and Thune. He's endorsing Trump. Wicker endorsed Trump. I believe Kevin Kramer did as well. So it's all good. There will not be a primary. And in fact, see, see, this is the thing. You might say, well, Daniel, well, we, we don't, maybe we don't have anyone. I have to check who's filed. But the, the, the issue is people don't understand. Once Trump became the end all in the Republican Party, once Trump then goes and endorses the incumbent, you're done. You're not going to get a challenger because you, you can't run. There's no point to running. I don't understand why nobody else talks about this. I've lived this for eight freaking years. Again, again, I, wa I want to understand. Every single conservative commentator, everyone would agree that Barrasso, Fisher, Ricketts, Wicker, and Kramer suck. They hail from states that vote Republican for president, you know, imperviously. Wyoming is the, is the top one. The, the Republicans win it by a 40-point margin. And yet there is no effort to get them out. None. And, 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 and there couldn't be with most of them because they endorse Trump. And Trump endorses them. So that's where we are. And then, of course, you go over to the House, and it's not much better. Mike Johnson is more passionate about avoiding a government shutdown and telegraphing that to the Democrats that that is his most important goal. Like, imagine, imagine you have a meeting and, and Johnson walks up to Schumer and Biden or Biden's aides and says, we really need to avoid a shutdown. Could you help me? And Schumer's like, oh, I'll, I'll be all right. Here's how we avoid a shutdown. Yes, that's a great idea. You know, he's using John Boehner as a fundraiser. We've come full circle. We've come full circle. But Trump, remember Trump's Truth Social post? Tweeted Mike Johnson as MAGA, Mike MAGA. Because Mike Johnson endorsed the Trump. So it's, it's all good. We have gone backwards. We have gone, if you would take where we were around 2014, 
when we started successfully knocking people off in primaries, Dave Brat defeated the sitting majority leader, uh, Cantor, in a primary. It was slow going. It was a small percentage of races we won, but there were signs we were growing. I, I, I cannot intellectually give over to you with adjectives in the English language to properly describe the way Trump has subverted the very agenda that MAGA purportedly stands for. Not just, you think, oh, as president on the issues. No, I mean in our ability to knock out the very people that the MAGA sort of people would call globalists all day long. But then again, I guess it's just about using the term. They just like the term rhino and globalist, um, not actually the, the values behind it. So yeah. I mean, uh, this is where we are. Let me give you another example on a, on a federal level. Well, there's a few more. Then you have James Lankford. James Lankford is working on a deal to fund. So, so you might think, okay, they're going to they're gonna pass the budget bill because Republicans are scared of a government shutdown. But certainly they're not going to pass a supplemental, right? Meaning another bill that there won't be a shutdown. Okay, there's no runs, no hits, no errors. You don't come to an agreement, then you just get nothing. He's trying to, his job is to, so so it's not enough. They, they want to get extra funding for Ukraine that, you know, in a supplemental. So what they're trying to do is get fake border security to throw in there enough that they could sell enough Republicans. That's their job. It's not like genuinely they want to solve the problem, but maybe they're willing to give someone Ukraine. No, no, no. They want Ukraine. Right, Republicans believe in it just as passionately as the Dems. So it's not like normally you negotiate. Dems want A but not B. Republicans want B but not A, and you have a negotiation. But with the Uniparty, the Republicans agree with it. They want they want Ukraine more than they want border security. In fact, they don't really want it. It's a talking point uh, because they they want the unlimited cheap labor for their donors. AKA, this is why to this day, even during the border invasion, literally. You had states like Oklahoma and Idaho where the governors and top legislative leaders were working on driver's licenses for these very illegal invaders as they decry Biden's open border. It's a joke. But anyway, Lankford is working on that at breakneck speed. They'll have out the deal any day now. So that's that. And then I, wa I want to give you guys another example. Um, another example here that we need to talk about before we move on to the states. And that is the House Judiciary Committee. Now, the House Judiciary Committee in general has one of the, like if you, if you would score their votes, the House Judiciary Committee might have the highest percentage of conservatives. So it's, it's one of the best committees, okay, on paper. A lot, a lot of good members and you know, Chip, Chip is part of it. Dan Bishop is on there. Andy Biggs is on there. A couple others. Okay. Now, the chairman is Jim Jordan. So, first of all, yesterday at the at, at one of the hearings, um, Jordan and then this congressman, Tiffany, I believe he's from Wisconsin, they were both praising Jared Kushner. Praising Kushner. Okay. So, that's interesting. So, I mean, Kushner is the embodiment of someone that any Republican would have hated but he is Mr. Trump's son-in-law, 
and literally is the single, I mean, he is the single biggest reason why Trump's domestic policy was a disaster. But they were praising him. Okay, fine. But then that reminded me, I just realized this, I just found this out. A friend of mine sent this to me. You have people don't realize. Let, let me let me let me give give some background here. And again, classic. I, I really I want to speak slower today than I usually do for this to penetrate. How on a superficial level, we're all like Rhino Cuck, yeah, tough, and, and we we throw out the broad language of certain issues. Yeah, the defund the police and we're tough on crime. We're sick of the crime ridden blue cities. But then on and the way it matters at the time it matters, not only are we not forging tougher on crime laws in in the House Judiciary Committee and then certainly in the red states where we control the trifecta, but we're still passing jailbreak. So, you know, Ron DeSantis Ron DeSantis brought up last night how Nikki Haley was a pimp for BLM. So she was, again, an embodiment of the Koch brothers' agenda. The Republican donors want jailbreak. And we talked about this for a decade. I am the leading voice. I am the original voice, the first person with any national platform of any substance, of any measure, to talk about this. The most consistent voice, that is my issue. And people don't realize that 100% of the donors became bought into this, and they took over the issue. I'm here to tell you that despite the rhetoric, oh, Biden's crime wave, they are stronger than ever. They are they are pushing Republican donors in Texas, places like that, they are pushing in the state legislatures, but the House Judiciary Committee jailbreak bills. And one of the things, this was, I missed this at the time, November 2nd, it's about two months ago, the House Judiciary Committee unanimously snuck through a massive jailbreak bill. It's H.R. 5430 called the Prohibiting Sentencing Based on Acquitted Conduct. So as you well know, the problem we have with crime in America is that we have the, the you know, they want to say we have an over incarceration problem. Uh, we need a second chance. And, and anyone who understands the system knows that they have 100 chances and and most murders and rapes and, and bad crimes are avoidable because they're people that already had a number of chances and should have been deterred earlier and they weren't because we're too weak. Okay, we understand that, that so many people who commit crimes, they're not caught. Then when they're caught, they're not charged. If they're charged, they're undercharged. If they're not, there's 50 million ways in judicial proceedings and loopholes that they get acquitted or underconvicted or whatever have to accept a, the prosecutor has to take a plea bargain bargain and then they're underconvicted and then even if they're not they're under sentence in other words few people wind up being punished commensurate to what they did in society some of it is in, endemic and inherent in we're just not perfect there's a limit to you know what you can do with with the system we have, the due process we have, but a lot of it is 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 bullcrap and has nothing to do with any due process that our founders would have envisioned. So you have a lot of really bad dudes that have done really bad things, but they get acquitted. Now, if you're acquitted, you're acquitted, and we 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 can't convict you, and and that's our system, and none of us want to change that. 
But there's there's two levels. There's the conviction level, which has to be done very t- technical, the letter of the law, um, which we don't do anymore. It's all based on race and politics, but you know it's supposed to be based on that, and you know a jury finding whether you're whether you're guilty or not. But then there's the second la- layer, which is sentencing, where judges usually have a range and there's discretion, and they look at the history. Now, y- you don't want to convict someone based on they were a Marine or they were a pre- previously a dirtbag. They're, you know, kind of a a look of, of his contribution or a threat to society. No, I mean, did you do the crime or not? But when it comes to sentencing, we all agree that it does make sense. You could have two people, one traffic drugs, and really he's the first thing he ever did. Um, he really looks like he was just desperate for money. And then the other guy is like, he has a rap sheet, yay long. And uh, it's really pretty evident that he was responsible for a number of murders in Chicago. Yeah, we couldn't convict him for it, and we're not convicting him for it. But in the sentencing report, the judge looks at that sentencing report and takes it all into account. And in my first case, he'll give more the lower bounds of of where the sentencing should would be. And in the second case I gave you, he'd give the upper bounds and, and we would all and should all agree to that. Again, we're not saying we're convicting you for something you were acquitted for. But if you have, and this is this is true with a lot of these people, you know, you have a bunch of different arrests, bunch of convictions, but then you have some arrests didn't result in a conviction. This bill wants to say, it's literally called prohibiting sentencing based on acquitted conduct, that the judge can't even know about that and use that in the sentencing. So some of you might think, oh, well, now we have the Fourth Reich, we have J6, maybe this will help us. No, it won't. This is the beauty of Republican loserdom with jailbreak. We're not even benefiting from it. All of the leniencies are all about the degenerate people. Because all of our J6ers, they didn't have prior records. So it's all targeting. You know, it sounds very nice on paper. If someone's acquitted, it shouldn't be a, we believe in due process. There's nothing to do with that. He's not being convicted based on, they're being convicted because thereafter, they did this thing. We're convicting them on it. So you have to look at the, in other words, a judge could easily see, and we know this, outside of political persecutions and really zealous prosecutors, which there are, it is happening, but for the most part, the street crime, for the most part, I'm just being honest with you, and we all know it, when you talk about the druggies, the gangbangers, the firearms guys, the the knockout people, the robbers, most of the time when police arrest them for a crime, and they're and certainly ch- charged at a charging level already, they're guilty of sin. Now, you can't just say that, and we have to have a system, and and fine, you know, they've got to be a, a, a convicted. It's relevant for the judge to see that they look at the guy and it's like, okay, this is O.J. Simpson. You did it. You did it. What do you mean? A judge doesn't have the right to say you did it. Well, it depends. He doesn't have the right to say you did it to convict you on that crime, but he does have the right to say it's clear you did that, and you did this, and you did that, and now when I sentence you on what you were convicted for, we're going to give you the upper bounds. So what this bill is designed to do is upend that. It's disgusting. It's being pushed by 
Trump-associated jailbreakers, by the way. I'm not going to get into that yet. And they waited until Chip Roy left the room. Okay? Chip was not there. Because Chip is the only one who's really on top of this stuff. And then Jim Jordan made sure to pass it. A, the jailbreak lobby supported it. B, there's a reason because one of, uh, there's this Trump, Trump supporter that big Trump supporter that's being convicted for something and feels he's going to benefit from it. There's a whole story behind that. So they roped in a bunch of people. Again, this is another example of how the party is the same globalist, open border, pro-crime, pro-illegal immigration, Koch brothers, Soros garbage, except it's with a cherry on top because now it has the blessing of Beta Trump because now it's cool. Again, this is the sort of show and the sort of information you will not hear anywhere else. So send this to every one of your friends and relatives. Give us a five-star rating. Now, um, one of the things before we go on, and you know, I barely uh, scraped the surface here, but I want to give you a state briefing, a briefing on state affairs uh, and how we're not changing the party. But first, both in advertisement and content all in one, it's really the same thing. I told you last year that that Glenn Beck was going to be doing here at The Blaze more docuseries sorts of deep dives, traveling to places and exposing uh, you know, things that need to be exposed. And he is now doing that. We have a new documentary debuting from Glenn, The Real Story of Colony Ridge. I was one of the first people to bring on Todd Benzman, who really deserves the credit for exposing this in Liberty County, again, a rural area of a red state in Texas, funded by real estate developers tied to Greg Abbott and the Republican Party, brought in probably 100,000 illegals. They have their own autonomous cartel-operated community, destroying an entire rural county, and it's growing by leaps and bounds. If So, if you want to watch that documentary, why not use this as a time to subscribe to The Blaze? Um, if you go to blazeoriginals.com, blazeoriginals.com, and use offer code Colony Ridge, you get $30 off your annual subscription. That's going to knock you below 100 I mean, you're talking about, well, like seven bucks a month. Um, for And it's not just, this is not for the documentary. This is every single piece of content, but we're going to be producing more of this. And and look, I mean, they're selling 200 – Glenn has found that they're selling 200 lots per week. Um, the overwhelming majority only speak Spanish. Most of them are illegals. The developer told Glenn that uh, – um, who's this dirtbag uh, that he interviewed, this guy Harris, that – John Harris, the CEO of the developer development company, that it's 35,000 people, but the sheriffs and local officials say it, it's really broached over 100,000, and, and Todd has said that before. Um, and, and, and here's the reality. Greg Abbott has gotten $1.4 million in campaign cash from the de- developers. Uh, Glenn reached out. They tried to speak to Abbott. They called the office. They left messages. They texted. They sent a letter. They got no response. So again... A, in terms of our uh, ad here, if you want to see that and so much more, go to blazeoriginals.com, use promo code ColonyRidge for $30 off. But B, folks, this is another example 
of how they'll talk tough on the issues. But if you understand the power structure of the state, why the state is not red, why we continue to elect these people, and why they will not budge, it's because of the land developers, the child care cartel, the education cartel, the health care cartel, the Chamber of Commerce, and they will not budge. And this is what, why we are so into Ron DeSantis. It's not just he did a bunch of conservative stuff. He did more conservative things. He, he plowed the path to uprooting all of the inhibition that prevents red states from being red. He took on the GOP donor class. He took on the largest employers in the red state. And he created a blueprint for doing that. And rather than saying, we're going to work assiduously to get people at least as good as DeSantis to do this in Arkansas and Oklahoma and Texas and Kansas and Nebraska and the Dakotas and Idaho and Wyoming and Alabama, Mississippi, Missouri, we've gone backwards and we trashed the guy. Ha ha ha, he's running a pathetic campaign. He has no money. He's barely, uh, yeah, well, what do you think? Because he's actually living it in word, indeed, not just word, and walked away from millions of dollars to do the right thing. Could have tweaked his message a little bit and still maintained some of those donors. Wasn't willing to do it. And then we, we finally have everything, everything for 50 effing years that we said we wanted looks you in the eye and we piss on the guy because we suck. We suck. We're pathetic. We're the only people that subvert our own stated views and not just any view, but views that we claim to be so passionate about, so much so that if we don't deal with it, we're going to die as a nation. We can't go on like this. And then we prevent any person or strategy or idea or innovation to actually see those views and those outcomes and those agenda items through. Utterly pathetic. And let me give you a vivid illustration. Let me show you the difference of what it means when you have a movement, when you don't have a movement. For years, I've said, out of 100 issues, we had a movement for three things. Lower taxes, guns, and abortion. And it showed. Now they're going back on abortion a little bit. But for the most part, red states fought abortion, implemented laws, you know, had right to carry and then constitutional carry over the last two to three decades since the 90s. You could plot it on a graph, very positive trend, and lower taxes. Now, there are some states that could do better, real estate taxes, and that's a point of contention now with some of these rhino governors. And, and the conservatives and the Freedom Caucus legislators. But for the most part, we've achieved that. So the tranny stuff, Republicans refused to deal with it when it actually mattered. When it was starting out, they ran away from it. And that's what we saw with Nikki Haley. She's like, I'm, for, for, I'm, I'm, a, I'm always for protecting our women. And, and Ron was like, what are you talking about? Your legislature had a bill and you, you viciously opposed it. Well, it wasn't such a big issue that that was the time to do it. Now everyone's a hero. After a quarter of our high schoolers are retarded. And and just are messed up as human beings. Now, it's better late than never. So why am I saying this? Yesterday, the Ohio House overrode DeWine's veto. That's a movement. And the Senate will do that today. And they'll succeed. And the sports bill and the 
trans- the, the castration bill, they will be signed into law over the veto of Mike DeWine. Now, I would argue it's too little too late. But nonetheless, we now have a movement around that. We focus on it. It was in the news a lot. People were hitting uh, DeWine. So the legislators felt that they had national cover from conservative media to go up against their governor. And they did. And they did. Now, I want you to imagine if we had that on every other issue. But we don't. I don't say that to poo-poo it. I say that to empower you, to show you that, by golly, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't. If we just merely exerted our influence where it would make a difference in the states that majority of the people agree with us, and you have Republican control, and they would be on the hook for a primary, they would, they would absolutely govern differently. It doesn't have to be this way. But you go down the line, and it is this way. It is this way. Christy Nome. Christy Nome. Um, you know, this is Mortensen, one of the leaders in the South Dakota legislature who is an uh, ally of Christy Nome. I tell my caucus often that our only jo- two jobs we absolutely have to do are passing a budget and getting the hell out of here. Nome has emphasized a lean budget amid rising inflation, proposing a nearly $7.3 billion plan for fiscal year 2025. She called for a 4% increase in the state's big three, K-12, healthcare providers, and state employees. So she's growing the Democrat strength. And, and, and I, you know, I'm not just picking on her. A lot of governors are doing this. Grow it. She gives her state of the state address, takes credit for the things the conservatives pushed that she initially opposed, doesn't mention a word about the land grab with the um, pipeline. Imagine that that's like the Super Bowl issue. Won't touch the word because her donors all support it. Again, all the governors, and look, I hate to say it, Kim Reynolds, I mean, she deserves tremendous amount of credit for looking at the polls and still endorsing DeSantis. But again, she herself is not quite DeSantis, and she's totally you know bought into the green energy cartel there, pipeline stuff. We don't have any good governors. And they're literally, while DeSantis is one by one, he's using his line item veto to chuck like cartel spending. One by one, he's denuding them of their powers. Do you understand? Every other Republican governor is growing the healthcare cartel, growing the education cartel, growing the cheap labor cartel, growing the child care cartel which is a we'll do shows on that that's a big problem by the way when you literally use the boot of government to incentivize women to not you know take motherhood fully seriously and 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 again there's people who can make that work but not at a macro level at a macro level if you tell a bunch of young women you're just like a man and you're gonna work full-time Every day from the time you're 22 to the time you're 65 or 70, you get exactly what you have today, which is no kids. Okay? It's not a matter of, oh, we don't have child care. Child. There's a whole other thing I want to get to at some point. Republicans are working on this bipartisan deal in the Senate to have this tax cut and, you know, because they want to do some of these like R&D business tax cuts, which are good policy. Um, but in order to get it, they're willing to expand the child ref- 
tax credit even more. And I don't just mean those paying taxes, but I mean the people who already have welfare, refundable tax credits, negative tax liability. And, you know, A, we don't believe in welfare, but B, you know, there's some merit to finding ways in civilization to incentivize children, you know, having children. But at its core, the reason we're not having children as a civilization is not because it's expensive. I mean, it's there. I'm not going to deny it as a factor. You all know it's cultural. We have a gay country, a gay culture. And what I mean by a gay culture and a transgender culture, it doesn't just mean you you know, have relations with the same gender or you think you're Bruce Jenner. You might be a heterosexual, whatever, who thinks you're that, and you know, but it's this culture of such a massive percentage of, of women are single women with high-powered jobs living in a high-rise in an urban area never getting married. They might not be sleeping with a woman, they're technically heterosexual, but that's a gay culture. And, and and you're not, or this whole thing that a woman has to be exactly like a man in every way, and motherhood has no value. It's not even a choice. It's not even like 50-50. You know, the Megyn Kelly, you go girl, feminist conservatism, they're all fine with that. That's a whole nother story. But I'm just saying, it's the culture. We don't value our own survival conservatives don't value their own survival either in multiple ways, and this is one of them. Oh, but don't say a man's a woman. Yeah, but we were all for the gender-bending, you-go-girl stuff. I mean, I wasn't, but, but you know, conservatives are, and that's what they're pushing. The reason we're not having kids is because we are an irreligious, pagan, decadent, dying culture that doesn't desire to survive. Okay, that's that's a thing. I mean, I go places and it's like, I say, I have four kids. I got married, you know, 23, almost 24. And, you know, right away in my 20s had kids. And you now, and now I'm gonna be pushing 40 and I have four kids. And it's like, whoa, you're, you're weird. And that's my age. You can imagine people becoming 2022 now. I mean, that's gonna be an, an extinct species. <laughs> It's not it's not really a financial issue at its core. It's a cultural issue. And that culture has been encouraged by fake conservatives and Republicans as well. So that's what it is. And, and by the way, I, I heard from a friend. South Dakota legislator, like like the legislative leaders, they were just at a meeting with all their big business guys, and they were like, We need more labor. And they literally had a quote there at their meeting that we need wide fences and high gates when it comes to the border and immigration. They have not changed one iota on crime, one iota on spending, on immigration, on the growth of government, on education, on healthcare, on any of it. They have not. I'm telling you. It's the same thing. It's just we're more distracted than we were before. It's easier for them because they just play the Trump card. And then Trump took the right flank, meaning the people who are the most likely to join the insurgency are now either, depending on the scenario, downright on the wrong side or just distracted. And that's where we are. There's so much more going on 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 a red state level. Um, I could go through a briefing of just how they're screwing us, but we'll get to that in the coming days. Let me know. Let me know your ideas. Join one of our teams, conaction.network. 
we got to fight. We got, we got to do what we can do. You know, I think the Ohio victory is something is it's a model we got to follow, but just remember you look at Florida and just remember, it's not that there's not more to do there. There is, but it doesn't have to be this way. What is our plan? What is our notice? I'm not spending all week just talking about the Iowa caucus. We'll digest that next week. But what I'm trying to tell you is what I'm telling you is true no matter what. It's just that if Trump wins over DeSantis, then it's just all the more likely that we're not going to have, you know, we're going to continue to have these headwinds, not just distraction, but downright headwinds against our agenda rather than potentially robust tailwinds and a leader who values. Like I could tell you, I have a list of people that I'm working on. So you remember, you know how I tell you we have no one on the horizon, and, and it's true. This election, and even really, um, even really, well, yeah, no, I mean this 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 coming election, okay. But in 2026, we have succeeded thanks to the State Freedom Caucus Network movement, okay. So picture, and I'm not giving away names here, but picture if you're like the leader or the chairman of the Freedom Caucus. We are now setting up a scenario where in some of these red states, and I have about two or three in mind, that they they might be slated to run for governor. I could promise you if DeSantis were president, he would use his fundraising because then he would get a fundraising network and and all of his support to help them out to help out freedom caucus guys challenging the status quo i'm telling you if desantis loses we're going to be on our own because trump's going to be the leader of the party now you know 90 percent chance he loses the general and i guess he's out of the picture but even then, that same movement, that same decree, we're just going to be back in the same place. So you'll have another Nancy Mace, Carrie Lake, you know, this sort of kind of use the rhetoric, but get distracted. And the serious Freedom Caucus guys that are actually trying to do anything, forget it. Which is ultimately why I think we need to start a Freedom Party and break off. And I think that is the stepping stone. I think the South Carolina Freedom Caucus is headed towards that. They're being thrown out. Um, and that might be something to watch. I do want to talk about South Carolina at some point. Let me know. Let me know if you disagree with anything I'm saying. And let me know if you could find a single show that could measure up to the hour we presented today. This is the sort of presentation we're going to bring to you every day. If you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you hear it, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Send this to everyone you know. One thing I promise you, I'm not going to spit back the same stuff everyone else does. It's our own talking points, our own focus, which in my view just happens to be the most important focus and the most most achievable focus. I can't influence Hunter Biden. We sure as heck should be able to influence the red state governors and legislatures and the culture of the state and, and fight back against it. We're going to continue doing that until tomorrow. God bless you all, and thank you for listening.